Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Secondhand Sports. We've got Matt and Gunnar on the show alongside myself going over the games this past weekend and the games coming up. A recap and a preview for LSU and the Saints. We got a um, some coaching discussions in there. We we get really really in depth with the coaching discussions. You know, the the college part of this episode might not be for everybody. Matthew's knowledge of the college football coaching trees and the the possibilities, the endless possibilities for these coordinators, defensive and also offensive coordinators. Um, his knowledge is very deep and so we we get we really get into the weeds with um different prospects for um the defensive coordinators and the offensive coordinators there's a defensive line coach that uh opened up as well so um lots of lots of speculation lots of uh new things coming for LSU obviously great win um over Ole Miss this past weekend we talk about that and um then we same formula we go over the college game and then we go to the Saints tough loss against the Chiefs it was pretty close we get in depth with that and then um, we talk about the the quarterback situation and um, looking ahead at we're getting close to the playoffs now obviously LSU is done NFL is getting real close to the playoffs so we'll have a little bit of discussion of that and then next week once the uh, LSU season has officially come to a close here we'll focus really focus in on the Saints and what they've got going on. A little bit of college football playoff as well. So, And as always, we have the, the bowl season coming up. So lots of new things coming up. The NBA started since we uh, had recorded this first episode somehow, even though it seems like the NBA finals were two weeks ago. They're back. So lots to discuss moving forward, even though LSU is done. So thank you all for listening, and we surely hope you enjoy. Okay, getting right to it, LSU versus Ole Miss. What a win for the Tigers. What a way to finish. Um, you had a completely depleted team. I mean, we were, even for the Florida game, we had a, a skeleton of a crew. And then this game, we had we were starting 87 freshmen, true freshmen. Um, and, you know, the Tigers fought hard. It never rains in Tiger Stadium, like Les Miles said. There, It might be a hard do but never rains in Tiger Stadium, and we came out victorious. So, um, great effort for, for for that team. That was pretty incredible how they um, the, pulled it off well, towards the end there. The uh, the funny thing was, I was actually at that game, and someone said it was raining, and I said, well, "What?" They're like, "It's raining." I'm like, "It's not raining." I'm like, you know, it was it was pouring. Right. Like, it's raining. I'm like, "No, it's not raining. It never rains in Tiger Stadium." Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, um, yeah, I mean, what, what a way to finish out the season, really. That That's really the only takeaway that I had from that one. Um, 
just for the the seniors and then for the freshmen, Kayshawn Butte, um, what did he have, like 308, uh, was it 308 or 309 rushing yards? Yeah, uh, Butte, no, no, Butte had uh, 14 receptions for 308 rushing yards, which is an SEC record. Receiving yards. Gotcha. He had 14 receptions for 308 receiving yards and three touchdowns. 308 yards, that's an SEC record. No, no receiver in the SEC has ever done that. Uh, no receiver in LSU football history has ever done that. Jamar Chase, Josh Reed. Yeah, um, I think that's because there was there was too many weapons last year. Because that was one of the things I was like, man, how did like the guys last year didn't beat that? But you had Jamar Chase and all the other guys, uh, Justin Jefferson um, and Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall. Um, so many weapons for Joe Burrow last year that. You know, we had to rely so heavily on Butte towards the end of the season that, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible that he was able to pull that off. What's What's more incredible about this team? T. Bob Abair said it yesterday on um, off the bench. He said that you got to go back and retake the team picture because you look at all the guys that were starting from Mississippi State. You had Miles Brennan, you had Terrace Marshall, you had, you know, all of these other you know older guys, and then. In the middle of the season, everybody opts out, mm-hmm. and that you know against Ole Miss, it was just a bunch of true freshmen out there, you know, young playing kids their, playing their butts just, off too. I mean, you could see at the very end, and I don't, uh, freaking Lane Kiffin, obviously directing his player to fall on the ground and stall the game. I mean, I think that was pretty, that was pretty crazy. Was, but, that, but I yeah, towards the end crazy. of the game when we had one of our guys go down. It, the defense just looked gassed, you know. That last drive um, yeah. before the fumble that sealed the deal, um, Old Miss was driving down. I mean, they were cutting up our defense, and um, I mean, you got to hand it to them. Like I've been saying all year, it's a bunch of eighteen, nineteen, and twenty-year-olds playing out there against some pretty, you know, solid SEC offenses. This, this there's a reason our conference is so good consistently, and I mean, you're never going to face a, an easy team other than like Vanderbilt, but. Um. Yeah, just incredible the the gall that this team had to finish off the season and actually win it and go five hundred. You know, we didn't have a losing season. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ. Gunner, you had something. Haven't haven't had a losing season. Haven't had a losing season since nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Last um, time uh, that year they were at three and eight or something like that. Yeah, I agree with the how much the team has fought, especially in the last two weeks. Like it, they took a one eighty. From where it seemed like, it seemed like yeah. we were gonna lose out. You know, right when you when you have a And M, which is number who is number five, and then Alabama, who is number one and should be number one. I mean, that, those are two very tough losses to watch. So. Which it wasn't the most. You know, the last two games haven't been the most beautiful. They gave up plenty of yards in both games, but they also a had of, a lot of shining a lot of moments. points, a lot of yards. And it and like y'all were saying just a second ago, I mean, it's a young team, so you expect for. Which, you know, there's we shouldn't ever be giving up that many yards, but we at least in the end we came out with dubs, and yeah. uh, with such a young team, For I think sure. it gives us a lot. At, assuming that nobody else leaves the team, yeah. it gives us a lot to look forward to in the coming years. Absolutely, uh, I think um, it's just getting us ready for to be a great team in two to three years. You know, once all these freshmen are um, juniors and seniors, I think we're going to have an incredible team. The next couple of years, if Miles Brennan sticks around, I mean, he probably—I think he's coming back next year—and then we'll have Max Johnson coming at 
coming right after him. I don't know. TJ Finley, I think he's still young. He could probably, you know, perform. He had a great game against uh who was who was the opening uh game? So, South Carolina. South Carolina, that's right. Which I mean South, South Carolina, Carolina sucks, and then he but went on the road against Auburn. Right. Yeah, but you know, another thing is like you look at the, the quarterbacks that we have right now. You know, last year we had Joe Burrow and that was kinda like yeah, the beginning without of him, great LSU quarterbacks. Yeah. What? Yeah. Without him, you couldn't now, really trust Brennan. So Well but no listen, listen. But like now this year we have three quality quarterbacks, you know, who can, you know, all th- we don't know, you know, either one of them's going to start next year. Because, you know, last, last this season we thought Miles Brennan would be the starter and he got hurt. But next season, you know, we it's going to be a competition to me, you know, whoever's the best guy. Yeah. Here's my prediction. It's going to end up being like whenever it was uh, Jamarcus Russell and Matt Flynn, where Jamarcus oh, Russell yeah. had gotten injured and Matt Flynn filled in for him the rest of the season. Next season, Jamarcus Russell started the whole season. He goes off. That's going to be Miles Brennan. Yeah. They're going to have a I winning agree. season. He's going to go off. Then Max Johnson's going to come in. They're going to win the Natty. Mm-hmm. Take the reins. I-, I could see that because Miles Brennan already has a lot of experience. When he was playing with Terrace Marshall, I mean, they were automatic, especially like against Mizzou, and, um, which obviously we didn't beat Mizzou, but we played well against them. And. Um, who else? Vanderbilt. I mean, they had great games against those two. I mean, weaker teams, but still, there was a lot of potential there. And if we have a fully staffed team with guys that stick throughout the season instead of just opting out for COVID, then I think you know we have a, a ton of potential. So, yep. yeah, I'm a true believer that we're going to have a lot of guys coming back next year for next year for sure. I mean, yeah. even older classmen. I know, like uh, some of the offensive linemen. Like Ed Ingram, uh, the guard Liam Shanahan, I, you know, I feel who's that, that who's most that of those guy, guys. Who's that guy that people were actively recruiting on Twitter today? The Lee guy, Lee. Well, Tennessee? actually, shout, shout out to uh, Garrett Nussheimer, our uh, our newest uh, quarterback recruit. Nussheimer is recruiting guys. You know, he re- you know he signed with LSU. He's trying to get. He convinced like three other guys to sign with LSU. So there, I think him. Uh, Tristan Lee, he's the uh, offensive tackle. Yeah, Tristan tackle, Lee. So yeah, more protection yeah, for Miles Brennan. <laughs> well, yeah, and it adds another offensive lineman to the class. I mean, LSU right now, the recruiting class, you only have one offensive line recruit in Garrett Dellinger, who's going to play left tackle. You know, LSU now obviously has to hit it hard in the transfer portal. They have to hit it hard in the JUCO ranks. But if you can get Tristan Lee, that's a huge boost to that offensive line. And if, and you know some guys come back next year. I think will be you know fantastic next year on, on right. the O line. And even now that I mean, freaking the COVID vaccine is out. But I think if I think they'll still have practice this off season. Whereas last year, most the vast majority of the off season, they were still trying to figure out the virus and how to do things. So even if we're still dealing with the coronavirus, then they'll still be able to practice and stuff like that, and they're going to have like an actual off season this year, which I think will help yeah. tremendously. I mean, you look at the schedule. If you're looking at the Mizzou game, if we score at least one of the four tries that we had on the one, we win that game, and then we had no business losing to Mississippi State. I think that was all down to the defense, which they're changing now, and um, we'll have a more experienced defense for the off season. I think we easily finish seven and three at least if we win those two games, and that's a solid season, you know, in the SEC. So, no question. 
No question. So. Yeah, I mean, especially with everything happening this year, you know, Mississippi yeah. State, that was, that was the biggest shocker to me because I just – I didn't see that coming. Missouri, um, that was just – to me, that was a downfall. That was yeah. kind of like, oh, you know, we're not going to be a good team. And then you beat South Carolina. You beat Vanderbilt. But the thing was, after beating Vanderbilt, you know, Arkansas beat Mississippi State. Right. And killed them too. And so they should have beat Auburn. They should have beat Auburn. So I was scared for the Arkansas game too. We had, I, I thought we had a gauntlet after that. With the players that we had at the time, we should have smoked Mississippi State. Yeah. Thinking about it. And then right. they all left. Yeah. The biggest shocker to me was the Florida game. Yeah. Yeah. Florida, Florida's, that's one of the, I think that Florida game is probably one of the best football games that I've seen. LSU play. I mean, I, I'm not gonna say one of the best games I've ever seen as a fan, but just just to go in that game with zero expectation and to beat them in their own in the swamp. I mean, that's probably more impressive than French bread. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, they, yeah. they definitely showed up. That, that was I'm just off. so refreshing to see. You know, out of. And I know we could go on for days and days, but out of a yeah. team that we thought was just Terrible. done, yeah. and I didn't think we were going to win another game after and like who Mizzou. was it? Uh, after after Ogeron slammed down the uh, headphones and yelled at Pelini, that's when I kind of figured that you know what's happening right now. I that's I figured it's it was all going to go downhill from there. Yeah. But who was that player who uh, we were just talking about him earlier in the in the group text? How he uh, entered the transfer portal, um, but it, regardless of whoever it is, he was. Uh, I saw on one of those one of those podcasts, uh, one of the LSU podcasts, but they were talking about how he had tweeted Chris Curry. Yeah, yeah, he, he had tweeted. Yeah, Chris Curry. Or, I don't know if it was him or someone else, but regardless, they had, he had tweeted after the Bama game and Never was really. like. Yeah, no, yeah, you sent the tweet. Oh. Yeah, 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 th- yeah. So yeah. I don't know said, what you're talking about. Let's get to work and ball out. We gun, we go and get right for Tiger Nation and all the people that played before us. We owe it to y'all, I promise. And we that um, went undefeated after that. Yeah, and, and they they did. <laughs> that, that's why. That's why you give Chris Curry number eighteen. You know, because he's a, he's a true leader. He didn't have the stats this year, but you know, he's probably one of the best leaders. That he's one of our main leaders we had. Because, you know, just because of stuff like that, it motivates your team and gets your team together, and you can go back and play. All righty. So, great finish to the season. Um, talking about Mississippi State and the defense. Obviously, we're now, this is, today is Tuesday, December 22nd, and the news is out that a lot of people were expecting, you know, Robbie Ellers came on the podcast and said Bo Pelini was here to stay and was going to develop a new defense, but Ed Ogeron had other plans. And now Pelini and LSU Tigers have parted ways. Along with today, Steve Ensminger's retiring from on-field coaching, along with, um, who was the other? Bill Johnson, I believe, Matthew? Uh, Bill, Bill Johnson, defensive line coach. He, uh, him and Steve Ensminger both can retire to on-field uh, positions. Like right. no to off staff. to off field position, retiring no, from on field. Okay, no, it said it said well, they're they're retiring to. to analyst positions. Yeah, analyst. Yeah, and then uh, Bill Bush, the uh, safeties coach, he uh, parted ways with LSU, oh, got really? fired. 
Now, well, Bill Bush. Well, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. The thing is, like, parting ways doesn't always mean getting fired. Same thing with Polini. I think they probably said, okay, dude, like, let's not make this ugly. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, Polini, I think Polini was the one that decided that first to step down, decided it was better for him to leave, I guess. Go go different go different direction. Right. But um the safeties coach uh, Bill Bush when Dave Aranda was given a new contract in twenty eighteen, as a part of that contract, he could bring in his own assistant, you know, bring his own assistant coach, somebody, you know, that's when the NCAA allowed a tenth um on field coach. Mm-hmm. Like a coach who can coach yeah, it was just nine, but then it became ten after two thousand eighteen. So in Aranda's contract he was able to bring some, you know, he was able to bring, you know, one of his own coaches in that he's coached with before, and that was Bill Bush, who was the safeties coach, which what that meant was that demoted Corey Raymond, the defensive back coach, to just cornerback coach. And supposedly I think him and uh, Corey Raymond and Bill Bush were not, you know, were banging heads. Oh, really? There's talks that Bo Pelini and Bill Bush, Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini was banging heads with probably the whole entire defensive coaching staff. <laughs> right, yeah. Just yeah. super intense. I know some of the players were, some of the players were, you know, the locker room was divided, uh, just stuff, you know, off the field stuff and, you know, just scheme wise. But there was one, um, I heard it on another podcast earlier, Derek Stingley, after Alabama was pleading to Ogeron saying, how come, you, you know, you, I need to be covering Devontae Smith. Why am I not covering Smith? But the thing is, why are you not going, why is he, why isn't he going to Pelini to say that? Yeah. He's going to Ogeron instead of Pelini. Yeah. So that just shows that, you know, to me there was just a divide between Bo Pelini and his defense because they, you know, he didn't Ogeron have much time with them. he didn't he didn't have much time with them either. You know, like they yeah. bring in. I, I think he was trying to, and I've said it before. I think he was trying to make a splash hire with Pelini, um, bring back somebody that is was familiar with LSU. And um, just didn't have an off season to develop a real defensive plan, and it happened with a. I mean, you look at all the scores across the SEC. It happened with a lot of defenses this year. They just didn't have time to prepare. And uh, Scooter Hobbs mm-hmm. had a, a text. I, I can't pull it up now, but it was like this was. It, it was sometime this past week. The the um, day of the um, nine to six game between LSU and Alabama yeah, yeah. and now um yeah. both teams had like over we've beaten our last two opponents 101 to 96 or something like that combined so like you can see right. how the defense has changed and um how the offense has changed too i mean it's a lot more um air up in the air type wide, pro wide style. open air raid Right, exactly. Air raid or, or over four hundred yards a game. Exactly. So, yep, a lot different now. And so they're going to have to get a coach that can coach like uh, the new style defense too. And I think that's probably one of the reasons Pelini was unsuccessful is because he was running such an old style defense where you'd press. They were in press man coverage pretty much the whole season, especially in that Mississippi State game where they just ran that air raid all over them. Um, so well, and you you also you you know the players had to adjust to a whole new defense. You have linebackers not having to put their hands down on the ground playing you know defensive end and stuff. I mean it's 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 the four three and three four are totally two different defenses. Mm-hmm. If you look at them scheme wise, they're 
totally different. There's a and lot di- more personnel to it. wise too. We had that guy that was personnel, recruited exactly. The guy that was recruited as a nose tackle, and then he ended up transferring because we changed we changed to a four three, didn't we? Yeah, t- Tyler Shelvin and um, you know Tyler Shelvin opted out in the draft. We had guys opting out because they changed the defensive scheme. So, so moving ahead. Who's on? I see your your coaching hot board here, Matthew. Well, one one uh, fun fact that um, I saw too is, and I, I think you wrote it on here, but no returning LSU head coach since at least 1979 has had to hire both a new offensive and defensive coordinator. So that's a lot. Uh, Ogeron's got a lot on his plate right now. So, um, but I think I think well to me. I think with the the Florida and the Ole Miss win, he's definitely saved his job for the next couple of years, though, too. So, for for sure, I mean, he, his seat's not as hot as it was. If he if he loses those games, his seat is pretty hot. Yeah. at that point, going into next season, he doesn't yeah. lose his job, but I mean, his seat's pretty hot. Mm-hmm. But um, I think for this, um, I feel like it's not going to be Ogeron making the, the all the decisions. I feel that. Ogeron is going to let Scott Woodward. He's going to tell Scott Woodward, look, this is who I want to get. Mm-hmm. And I think Scott's going to try to make the deal. They're going to come to an agreement or something. Because I think, you know, it was mainly – this is a, a pure example of it. When Bo Pelini was hired, Bo Pelini was the only candidate that LSU talked to. Mm-hmm. Like Ogeron and, and uh, Pelini, they didn't even talk face-to-face. Never even knew each other before. He just hired him, gave him $2.3 million. <laughs> and now – you know, that's just, it's ridiculous. And now, so, you know, Woodward's taking the reins to me on that. He's helping him and Ogeron are going to work together on it. And, um, but the only negative I think about it is, you know, if, like getting rid of all these guys is, you know, because of COVID and everything, because, you know, everyone has, the whole athletic department has had to make budget cuts this year and stuff. So it's going to be a lot harder to try to get the best guy. So LSU is going to have to probably think out the box and try, okay, well, maybe promote somebody and then go after a really big name. Yep. I, my, my thing is promote promote someone on offense, but go after a big name on defense. Yep. All righty. So let's go over your board, Matthew. I, I see you have 13 names here, but what are what are the really hot ones? I, I saw Derek Mason, the former head coach of Vanderbilt, I think he'd be very good um, as a defensive coordinator position. Um, and I'll, I'll just kind of the, – the difference between a head coach, which he, he wasn't very successful at Vanderbilt, but he did – he was a very good motivator, and they did okay. But the difference between a head coach and a defensive coordinator, a head coach has to deal with all the team affairs and all the press, whereas a defensive coordinator, you're just you just have one job and that's focusing on the defense, making sure everything's lined up there. And I think he'd be a very good um, addition coming from a head coaching position. He's obviously earned that spot in the SEC and um, I think he'd do very well. But what 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 are you thinking, Matt? Well, you know, at the top of my list, I have a Georgia co-defensive coordinator, Glenn Schumann. Mm. Glenn Schumann, um, Kirby Smart took the head co- Kirby Smart left Alabama and took the head coaching job at Georgia, his alma mater. He brought Schumann was with him in Alabama as a, uh, you know, as director of a player development. He was the associate director of player personnel. He came to Georgia, became the inside linebackers coach, 
and now he's the co-defensive coordinator since 2019. Their defensive coordinator, but he's not their primary play caller. Dan Lanning is their primary play caller. He's just a secondary play caller. So say if like Lanning left or something like that, took a coaching job, then Schumann would probably be the next DC. But this is, my, this is what I have to ask. Would you rather be a co-defensive coordinator or, or be in charge of the whole coordinator. defense? Right, the defensive coordinator to the LSU Tigers. That's who I would want to be. For sure. Now, Marcus Freeman, uh, you know, defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, works for Luke Fickle. Fickle worked for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Fickle was also the head coach at Ohio State at one point. Well, fun fact about Freeman is Marcus Freeman was a uh, linebacker for Ohio State when LSU played him in the uh, national championship game. That was a you know, they had a linebacking core: Marcus Freeman, James Laurinaitis, you know, names that you know some of us know, not all of us. Mm-hmm. Hang on, let me look up their stats. I, I know a lot of fans have been saying Will Muschamp, but I'd think that would be a total disaster if LSU hired Will Muschamp. Why do you think that? I think it'd be a total disaster. I mean, you've been because, saying you've been saying since Bo Pelini got hired that you didn't like that pick. So why do you think Will Muschamp would be? Because it's, it's it's an it's another retread, Berg. Yeah. It's another retreat. It's like it's hiring like another Bo Pelini. But the thing is, Will Muschamp, you know, head coach of Florida, head coach of South Carolina, you know, big name, and I feel like he's gonna feel like he's too powerful. You know, you know, I'm, I'm worth more than Ogeron and stuff. You know, I can, you know, this is my defense or something. I, I just think that there's gonna be too much controversy if Will Muschamp is hired. Right. Yeah, I can see that for sure. But like I said, I mean, it's, to me, it's the same thing as Derek Mason going from a head coaching position to a defensive coordinator position. I think, like you said, the money's not going to be there, and that's going to be a problem for Ogeron and Scott Woodward going forward. Is they have to pay Bo Pelini five million dollars? That's his buyout. So and, you're going to have to and Scott Linehan. Oh, and Scott Linehan too. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to go and get like a huge like some NFL coordinator probably or an NFL head coach. There's been a, there's going to be a few head coaches that are fired this year. Um, but I mean, there's, there's some smaller, uh, other coordinators on here and, and we can go on with your well, list. Are you still not, looking not, at not just coordinate, not just coordinators. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, assistant coaches, analysts, right. You can hire an analyst from an NFL team. Yeah. Nobody's going to know who he is, but, you know, football-wise, he must be pretty smart, and he'll probably become the next, you know, passing game coordinator. Well, we we'll, can we'll that part later. But um, mm-hmm. let's let's go back to Marcus Freeman. All right, okay. so Marcus Freeman right now is the defensive coordinator of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cincinnati is ranked number twelfth in total defense. They are ranked number one in total defense in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, Freeman has been, you know, a big name for a while for a lot of teams. Cincinnati, they're undefeated. Uh, but the only negative for me about this is, you know, since Cincinnati's in a group of five, they're in the American Athletic Conference. They're not playing um, quality opponents, I guess. Yeah, they're not SEC teams, that's for sure. And they're not Ohio State. But I mean, like, but Freeman, he's young. And to me, the the key thing for me to hire a new defensive coordinator, really for any coach, the younger the better. Yeah. Yeah, so they're not stuck you know, in their ways like Bo Pelini. 
They have Bo to be Pliny, you, Scott Linehan. You have to be uh, inventive, and that's I think too uh, a testament. People always talk about Andy Reid, how innovative he is at offense position. He's been coaching a long time, and he's always inventing new ways to win and and run that offense. And like you said, I think a younger guy that isn't set in his ways would do well with this LSU defense for yeah. sure. The next coordinator I'm going to bring down, uh, go down to is a uh, Chris Richard. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris Richard uh, last year was a name that everybody was talking about to be the next defense coordinator. Richard has worked, you know, him and Ogeron, they have a US, they have a connection. They both, you know, coach under Pete Carroll. Richard was playing at USC when um, Ogeron was a defensive line coach over there. And then eventually, you know, Richard moved to the Seahawks, became defensive back coach, and then became defensive coordinator, coached. Legion of Boom, Richard Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas. Then he uh, and then he left, and then went to the Dallas Cowboys, and became their uh, defensive like you know top defense assistant, linebacker coach, coach Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, Sean Lee. Now, like I, I think a lot of people are kind of staying away because he hasn't been hired by anyone else. So I mean, I, I mean, I guess he's a guy that I feel like if we do hire Chris Richard. And he produces a great defense. He's probably going to go to the NFL. You know, I, I feel like if Chris Richard did come to LSU, he'd probably stay for one or two years. If we have a pretty good defense, and then he'll probably go back to the NFL, be defensive coordinator or something like that. Gotcha. Kinda now, like if that Joe happens, Brady. if that does, if he they that, hire him and that does happen, this brings me to my next candidate. Okay. LSU defensive back coach Corey Raymond. I was just about to ask you about him. Yep. He's Ste- he's Ste- uh. Ste- Hot, right, exactly. Stefan, uh, what were you going to say? Stefan Fontenot has been saying, it's predicting that it's going to be Corey Raymond. I'm saying, look, you know, Stefan, this is what I got to tell you. <laughs> Corey Raymond, great coach, fantastic recruiter. We need to keep him there. For, we need to keep him there for a couple, maybe one or two more years. And then when our defensive coordinator leaves, promote him. Promote him. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, same, I think same thing with having with Joe Brady. You bring an NFL assistant in to be the defensive coordinator, and then which I mean, obviously Joe Brady wasn't the the offensive coordinator, but still he played a huge role last year. And um, yeah, I think that would that would be a good plan if if not bring him bringing him in because he already is the uh, like the coordinator for recruiting for the whole team, so. Yeah, um, that position, even if he has to take it now, would, he would be well suited for that for sure. But I think yeah, Bill Bush, you know, after he part, you know, now he's parted ways. Corey Raymond will now coach the uh, safeties again. Which l- let me remind you, the safeties this year for LSU are absolutely terrible, mm. and I feel like that was part of Bush because Bill Bush was basically here because of Dave Aranda, and Dave Aranda went to Baylor. They had beef, so Bill Bush was just on the staff, and eventually they just said, okay, well, we're going to move on. We're gonna go with um, you know, let Corey Raymond coach the secondary again. So I mean, I I think that the future plan really, to me, is you know, hire someone, if they go somewhere else, and then promote Corey Raymond. Yeah. All the defensive back sellers who has produced, you know, he's he's really he's one of the main, he's the heartbeat of DBU. Yeah. For LSU. Yeah, and that's we need to get back to the the DBU mindset for sure. All righty. So those are the main names. Just uh, you can list off the the other names that you have. Well, yeah. Well, other coaches I have on my list. Uh, I have Ryan Nielsen. He's the uh, Saints defensive line coach. You know, young coach. 
uh, the defensive line for the Saints with Cameron Jordan, you know, Trey Hendrickson, screw the Pro Bowl. But <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, great yeah, defense. Uh, Trey, Trey Hendricks. Uh, they they've had a great you know, the, the uh, way that defensive line played. Right, exactly. Trey's leading the league. And plus, he, he's, he's tied with Aaron Donald, uh, leading the league in sacks right now, which is incredible. So, yeah, and and Nielsen's also a guy that no one's ever heard of. So I mean, like no one's going after him. But you know, LSU since the Saints are very close, since we've gotten somebody from the Saints before, and he's turned us to one of the greatest you know offenses in all time. Mm-hmm. Maybe take a crack at Nielsen, yeah. and then uh, some other coaches I have. Or uh, Derek Mason. We do already talk about Derek Mason, former Vanderbilt head coach. I like Derek Mason because of a leader he is. I feel like he could get that defensive unit together, you know, bring that locker room back for sure. I got uh, Charlie Strong at number 10. Everybody knows who Charlie Strong is. Yeah. Former, you know, Florida defensive coordinator, Texas head coach, South Florida head coach. A uh, very, very good motivator. The, uh, the, ne- the next coach that I have is uh, Carl Dunbar. He's currently the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line coach, and he is a uh, former uh, LSU assistant and a former player. So defensive line, um, they're also uh, a so, spot open there. So who, who uh, potential guys for that them as well? The the guy that I want to come back is Dennis Johnson. Dennis Meatball Johnson, hmm. former player for LSU, uh, you know, Became an on-field assistant when Ogeron took the uh, coaching job. He was coach linebackers, and, and then when Pete Jenkins, the D-line coach, stepped down, Dennis Johnson took over. And he's Dennis Johnson's one of the top recruiters in the country. I think it'd be really, really big for him to just come back. Now, I don't know if this is official, but I've been hearing a lot of reports that Bo Davis, that, that deal is already done. Mm. Bo Davis will probably become LSU's next defensive line coach. Where is he coming from? And this Bo Davis is a guy that he's a former LSU player, played in the early 90s. When Nick Saban was at LSU, he was like a grad assistant under Nick Saban. And then he moved to Alabama, became their defensive line coach. Had some controversy at Alabama recruiting-wise. He had to leave Alabama. I think went back to the NFL or he went to Texas players. or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> you got to go where you can pay the players. Yeah, for sure. And uh, but yeah, I mean, Bo Davis. I think I'm not sure it's official, but I think that that may be already done. I think that that's already decided. And then the uh, the last coach, well, the last coach that I have on there is uh, Christian Lockator, a former player for LSU, and currently a defensive analyst. I would feel honestly, this is the one I would definitely go with. Lockator is already in the program. He's a young coach, you know, just like they did with Meatball Johnson. I think it'd be a really great thing just to promote Lockator and make him the next defensive line coach. Gotcha. All righty. And then, obviously, the passing game coordinator, um, there's also a position there. Well, now that Steve Ensminger has stepped down, now you're looking for an offensive coordinator as well. Right, yeah. Just now this that. list that I have, it, it, <laughs> it kind of changes a little bit. There's a coach already at LSU right now, uh, Russ Calloway. He's a, uh offensive analyst. Uh, he's a three-time national champion. I think in Division Three in Mississippi or something like that. Some school in Mississippi has won three straight national championships as an offensive coordinator and everything. He's definitely a rising star. He may be the next Joe Brady. Dang. The next candidate that I have on there is uh, Zach Robinson. He is currently the LA Rams assistant wide receiver coach. Uh, Robinson, I think, was actually a target for Georgia last year to be their passing game coordinator. They were trying to pull flip a page from LSU's book. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I wish I would have made a list for uh, offensive coordinators. I mean, I'm just oh, this is just for passing game coordinators, but maybe it can just give you an idea of yeah. Before what, they what hire kind of somebody, you want to run right before they hire somebody. There's going to be a lot of speculation for sure. I mean, there's there's no real like you said the defensive line coach. We have Bo Davis as like the the main person that people are thinking it's going to be, but as far as offensive coordinator, this. It just came out today, so there's still going to be a few days of speculation. Um, they're going to have to go through the yeah. hiring process for the next guy. So, the next the next coach I have is a Jorge Munoz. Jorge Munoz is a name that a lot of LSU fans are familiar with. He was former uh, offensive coordinator at UL Lafayette, got fired from there, became an analyst for LSU. Dave Aranda today announced that Baylor uh, was going to shake up their offensive coaching staff. They fired their offensive coordinator, uh, Larry Fedora. So I think Jorge Munoz is actually leaving Baylor too. So he's he's looking he's looking right now. So why not come back to the Bayou? Why not come back to LSU? Mm-hmm. Win another championship. Yep. And right. the uh, last candidate that I have on my list <laughs> is uh, you know, if, we're not going to get Joe Brady back. No, nope. to be honest, LSU won't get Joe Brady back. So why not go get the next best thing? Go get DJ Mangus from the Carolina Panthers, who is currently an offensive assistant, and he is Joe Brady's. You know, he's he was you know Joe. He's also has a good relationship with Joe Brady. DJ Mangus last year was assistant for LSU. You know, an analyst. He was sitting behind Joe Brady, basically just learning everything what Brady's doing. They both are at William and Mary together. They uh, I think they both started at Penn State too. So the thing is, if you can't if you can't get Brady. Go get Mangus. Now, the only thing about Mangus is, if Joe Brady takes it takes a head coaching job, I got a strong feeling that DJ Mangus will probably follow him, maybe somewhere and be like a wide receiver coach in the NFL. Because Joe Brady, I mean, he's not coming back unless he gets the head coaching job at L. You know, but yeah, I mean, he, he wants an NFL coaching job, and I think DJ Mangus would be a great pick for LSU. But I think that if Brady gets a head coaching job, in the NFL, then DJ Mangus will most certainly follow him somewhere follow else. Follow him, right? There's a lot more money to be made in the NFL as well, so um, it's tough to go from a, a coordinator in the NFL back down to the college level. Obviously, if you're an analyst like Joe Brady was, he was like the passing game. Uh, well, yeah, but he, guy but Brady was Brady. Brady Saints. was the uh, passing game coordinator, wide receiver coach, and Saints. DJ Mangus was an analyst, right? So. Yep, so lots of options there. Um, I'm sure within the next couple of weeks they'll start. We'll start zeroing in on people. Um, big, huge news in the SEC today. Actually, Auburn hiring Brian Harson out of Boise State. Um, I didn't really see that one coming. I know a lot of people had Hugh Freeze on the radar. That was uh, probably the biggest name I would think. And um, I wasn't really paying attention too much. Matt, do you know what, like, there was a couple offers that people turned down, or um, how did that work? Do you know what the the situation with that was? Like, they offered a position and the guy didn't want it? Well, they offered their job to several other several coaches. You know, first of all, like, it's a big job to step into because you fired a guy who's basically just sitting on his porch probably drinking whiskey, laughing at the whole situation that Auburn is, Auburn is in because they had to, right now, you know, who, was you, you got to find a coach that can beat Alabama 
and win a national championship. And Gus Malzahn had that those qualities. He just didn't win. He could beat. He couldn't win. You know, simple games, you know, cupcake games and stuff. Yeah, against you know lower SEC schools. Eventually, that's that's why he got fired. And his offense just became you know what was what it was with Cam Newton when he was the offensive coordinator. He became the head coach. It was good, but then it just became stale. And yeah. I think a lot of Auburn fans were just ready to move on and uh, go a different direction. Yeah. But I think for Auburn, it was probably should have kept him maybe for one more season or something like that and then see what happens or maybe even fire him last year. You know, but I, cause I just think that they were in a huge mess uh, trying to find the next guy. They interviewed several names, guys like Hugh Freeze. He, you know, they interviewed uh, Louisiana, US, uh, USL's uh, Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Napier turned down the job, wants to say Louisiana Lafayette. He, USL, he um, he feels like that would be a. You know, he he likes what they're building over there, and he wants to you know stay there. Maybe yeah. he'll get another job. We'll see I can see they, they did um, extremely well uh, this past season compared to the other seasons that the Ragin Cajuns have had. And um, yeah, I think I think he'll end up in a in a bigger spot down the road. But um, Auburn stuff for sure. Yeah, Auburn stuff because you have to play Alabama so much, and you're the expectation is to beat the other team in Alabama. So the Iron Bowl yeah, is y- is everything to them in Alabama, and that's I think. That's exactly you're right. That's the same thing. Situation in Texas A and M is you hire a guy and pay him a bazillion dollars, and he must beat Alabama. If you're paying him that much money, he must be a contender. And um, obviously, A and M was number five. I think they did really well this past season. So that's definitely something in an Auburn coach you have to look for is somebody that can beat Alabama and also be in the playoff conversation so it's it is right. unfortunate for Bo Nix he's a sophomore he's going into his junior year I don't think he's NFL ready yet he might have a pop-off year next year but he's going into the last years of his career with a brand new head coach it's going to be interesting to see how he performs next year because he stunk this year and that may have been you know part of the reason Gus Malzahn got fired in the end was because of um, just their performance overall so yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, other candidates, guys like Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, Alabama offensive coordinator, turned them down. UAB's Bill Clark. Bill Clark, you know, I'll, I'll talk about him, you know, later. Hmm. You know, he, he has a great story. You know, he, he was the head coach of UAB. UAB lost their program in 2014, but he stayed the head coach over there. They came back in 2017. He's been to – they've been to three straight bowl games. Definitely somebody that – I think we'll get a bit, it's going to get a big job pretty, pretty soon, especially, mm-hmm. you know, coaching at UAB, which who has not really, you know, UAB is one of the least um, yeah, lower successful tier. schools in college football. Right. It's kind of like the Baylor story with uh, Matt Rule, you know, taking a destroyed program and then bringing them back to the top. Well, I mean, yeah, UAB, I mean, they lost their, they, they lost their program, you know, because they got cut and they came back and, you know, everybody was expecting them to lose and they actually, you know, have done pretty well since. So, yeah, uh, like you said, Steve Sarkeesian, he's staying in Alabama. Like I said last episode, he's he's looking for Saban's spot because Saban's got to retire at some point here. Which, by the way, Saban won Coach of the Year. I saw that today. You know, great to have an underdog finally win something over there at Alabama. So, yeah, 
just out of the just out of the trophy case. Mm-hmm. One thing that's interesting. But, um, one thing that's interesting um, about speaking of Saban, Alabama is undefeated, and they could go undefeated this whole season. But it's still. I feel like it's just like, yep, Alabama's undefeated. Okay, you know, whatever. Whereas last year, the expectations. It was, it, right, exactly. Last year was such an incredible, and it's exactly like T. Bob Abair said: "We are Greece." The expectation for Alabama is to be the best. So when they are the best, it's not as great. And um, I mean, the same thing that we talked about: the Ole Miss win, the Florida win. Those wouldn't be as sweet if we hadn't had such a rocky season to begin with. And nobody's really talking yeah. about Alabama as much as they were with LSU last year and how incredible Joe Burrow was. So it's uh, right. it's definitely interesting. Now, actually, I, you know, I just thought of this scenario today. So, you know, Dabo Sweeney, everybody doesn't think he's going to leave Clemson. You know, Brent Venables, yeah. he's been an awful ever, I don't see him ever leaving Clemson. But listen to this. So say if Saban steps down and Dabo decides, look, you know, this is Alabama. This is this is the this is the pinnacle of college football. I've, I've look. Listen, hear me out. Okay. I've done really really good over here at Clemson. He leaves, and what Clem and but there's a plan. Mm-hmm. He leaves, and Brent Venables takes over as head coach. I honestly, I I, I don't think that, I don't think that Dabo is going to leave Al- leave Clemson because of how good Clemson. You know, probably like ten years ago was just an average team. Now they're one of the elites in college football. Now, I mean, he was like, an interim head coach, just like Ogeron. So, never a coordinator. He was never a coordinator. He's only coached at Alabama and went to real estate and stuff. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I think that you know, I think it'd be, it'd be a great, you know, that that would probably be the plan, because I don't think that you know Venables at that point would probably, would probably want to be a head coach. Yeah, I know that he's probably staying there. So maybe if Dabo steps down, he takes over at Clemson, becomes their head coach. Yeah, so now let's finally get to our person here. Auburn has hired Boise State's Brian Harrison. Uh, Brian Harrison never been the SEC, never never has been the SEC before. He's a Boise State alum. He played quarterback for them. He coached at Eastern Oregon, Boise State. Went to Texas from 2011 to 2012. Became their co-offensive coordinator, and then became the head coach at Arkansas State. After fun fact, after Gus Malzahn left Arkansas State to become the head coach at Auburn. And um, after that, he you know went to back to his alma mater, went back to Boise State, became their head coach, and now is at Auburn, which I think it's actually I think it's a pretty good hire. He, right, he was um his overall record is seventy six and twenty seventy six wins and twenty four losses. That's he's not three bad. And two in bowl games. That's a very winning record. But now he's stepping into a totally yeah. new environment. Yeah, yeah. You're in the you're in the you're in the you're in the Power Five now. And you're in the SEC, and you're in the state of Alabama, so you know everyone. I, I mean, I think it's a great fit for Auburn. I mean, I think Auburn, with all the crap they've been through, I think they finally got you know they got a, a very very good choice. Mm-hmm. I thought that this was going going to turn to what tenant would happen to Tennessee. You know, a couple of years ago, you know, with um, Fire Butch, Butch leaving, and then mm-hmm. yeah, Fire Butch, and then they hired Greg Schiano, and Schiano. You know, every fan, Tennessee fan, was pissed off. So they went after like Mike Leach, Mike Gundy, and then they fired the athletic director, and then they hired uh, Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, but Lots I, mean, I of, think this uh, is a, I think it's a great choice for Auburn. Right. Uh, it's interesting, kind of like Mike Leach going to uh, Mississippi State. 
Uh, the coaches in the SEC right now are just so wild. Sam Pittman, Ed Ogeron, uh, Lane Kiffin, just like the personalities of those coaches are just wild. So Dan, uh, yeah, Dan Mullen. Yeah, yeah, Dan Mullen. His wife that kisses all the players. It'll be interesting yeah. to see um, this next season. Hopefully uh, LSU, you know, will do better and um, – Obviously, we're, you know, it'll be a lot different season than it was last year. So, but we still have uh, a few more games left to go. Obviously, LSU's out of a, a bowl game. They um, opted out or self-imposed a bowl ban on themselves. But we still have the right. college football playoff. We'll have another episode as far as like discussion. Um, for that, we'll just go over it briefly. Number one, Alabama, obviously. Two, Clemson. Three, Ohio State, which is interesting, pretty controversial. I'm sure at this point, if you're listening to podcasts, you've heard a billion opinions about Ohio State being in there. Um, four, Notre Dame. Five, A&M. Six, Oklahoma. So, I mean, that's your 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 top six there. We we'll we'll just go over that on a different episode because there's there's so much to to unpack and same thing Cincinnati's number eight when you have a Florida team that lost to LSU just there's so much losses yeah so much so much there so I know you don't want to get too into it with uh, with that topic but um as far as the like the playoffs go mm-hmm. I feel like this year there has to be an upset. I don't know why. I just have a gut feeling. And I feel like this is, like, the most improbable year because, yeah. like, Clemson is so good and Alabama is so good. And, like, surely it's going to be them too. Yeah. But and I don't If I had to put my money somewhere, I would say it's going to be Ohio State I, somehow beats Clemson. Mm-hmm. I don't know I'll, why. I just have yeah. a gut feeling that there. it's 2020. There has to be an upset. Yeah. Alabama is too good. They, they're they going to – and Clemson crushed uh, Notre Dame. I think Alabama is going to do the same thing. I think that's definitely the top four teams in the country for sure. Um, I don't think Texas A&M should be ranked that high, but again, we can discuss that later. But like you said, I, I concur. Ohio State beating Clemson wouldn't be like completely insane. So thing is, Trevor Lawrence is so good. He he is just incredible on the yeah. football field. Also, so. like how, how many times can't – because Ohio State, they haven't made it to the championship since the uh, since the playoffs been there, correct? Yeah. So they, they they were the first uh, champion of the college football playoff in 2014. Oh, so they did. So they did make it one year. Yeah, they they beat they beat Oregon. They had okay. a Cordell Jones. But that's it, right? That was the last time. And they've gotten knocked out. Yeah, a couple every times. Year. I think yeah. Yeah, and every every other year it's just been Clemson and LSU Alabama. and Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those gut feelings. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. A lot of people are saying it's going to be Clemson, Alabama again. Somebody said, I think part of my take was like, they should just do a best out of three for Alabama, Clemson. Just have them play every weekend for the next three weeks and be like, okay, there's your yeah, champion. Turn, turn, like, <laughs> you have a home. Turn, turn it into like. A home and home and then a neutral site somewhere. Do you think Clemson, a lot of Alabama. people would watch like the first game if there were, if there's, if there's going to be two out of three? I would think so. I would just because of football. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it. It would be just like the NBA playoffs. It would just be like the MLB playoffs. I think it'd be, you know, who knows? Maybe <laughs> those guys some, would be maybe so beat like up. That will happen. Yeah, those guys would be oh, so man. beat up by the Call, end of that. Doing that on a college player. Yeah, it'd be it's a lot tough. tough. It'd be tough. Yep. 
Dabo's uh, plead with the with the Heisman committee at the end of their ACC championship game, saying saying if this man does not have the Heisman attached to him, yeah, well, he shouldn't have got COVID. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. When do they announce the Heisman? We should we should discuss that when we don't have LSU to talk about. We touched on it last episode. Well, thank- yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. He said that though. Uh, yeah, Dabo was. Uh, yeah, Dabo. Because that's a whole. Like, you got to think. I mean, Mac Jones is incredible. He's been tearing it up, but Trevor Lawrence is just as good as him too. I mean, he's going to be the number one pick. So, but he didn't play all season. Same thing with Ohio State. It's like they didn't play all the games that you should play. But they're still they five so games, good. and the one loss that your they team played has five go against Notre Dame is when you didn't play. Like, does that that counts towards you, right? Being that you like convincingly won every game, and then like the one game you lost, yeah, was one that you weren't playing, right? Yeah, maybe he just shreds defenses too. Um, yeah. I think he should win it just because of his previous years too. Like, obviously, it's the best this year, but I mean, he was spectacular. I mean, his wasn't his freshman year they won the national championship. Yeah, he uh, he stepped in for Kelly Bryant. You know, everybody was going, everyone was saying, you know, Trevor's going to be the quarterback. You know, it's going to happen, and he became the quarterback, took him to a national championship game. Um, for me, I mean, I. It's like every year I expected Trevor Lawrence to probably win the Heisman Trophy. My question is if if Trevor Lawrence if Mac Jones wins the Heisman Trophy, does he go number one overall in the draft Mm-mm. just because he won the Heisman, or do you yeah. say, look, let's just go with a better prospect and Trevor Lawrence? It's Trevor. It's going to be Trevor. It's probably going to be yeah. Jacksonville that gets that number one pick. So I think yeah, it'll be Trevor. That's another interesting to, thing to talk about once we get to NFL. Yeah, I, I'd say for all the candidates of the Heisman, though, they're all lucky that Max Johnson didn't start the entire season because they'd all be doomed. <laughs> yeah, he, he did yeah. well. <laughs> he's he's an athlete for sure. I did. I actually today I looked up a mock draft today just to see, and I was like, wow, I'm already looking up mock drafts, and we are months away from uh, the draft. First so. round, second round pick. Oh, yeah. They had uh, Kyle Pitts going to the Bengals for Joe Burrow. I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if Jamar Chase went? That would be the ultimate like icing on the cake for them. So. It'd be awesome. But Speaking of the man, Bengals, sweet. how about them beating the Steelers? I said I put it on Twitter. Heard it here first. The, the stars aligned literally, and um, they – one in a million, the Bengals beating the Steelers. I think that was a trap game, just like Florida and LSU. The two the two games this weekend that were double digit spreads ended up being outright wins by the underdog. Yeah. Like it it's just it's the NFL. Double yeah. digit spreads, like that's just a red flag. Yeah. Any given Sunday. All righty. Moving on to the Saints. Saints versus Chiefs. I mean, this was uh a tough game. To, I mean, it, it, they kept it pretty close. So there's a few things to unpack here. Um, I, I think the Saints are not in as much trouble as I thought they would be um, because, I mean, 29-32, to 32, it's a close game, um, and you're missing pretty much your entire wide receiver core. Michael Thomas is out. That's true. And my boy Breeze. Yeah, 
He's back. I mean, it felt so good to see some deep passes. Yes, yeah. It, it felt good, but he only completed like fifteen passes out yeah. of, out of. I, I think he was. Well, I mean, yeah, but that, that's, that, that, that's playing, also because of the wide receiver. Right. I'm sure, his ribs are still a little tender. I was just about to say he's definitely playing yeah. hurt, um, not injured, but hurt for sure. Um, and I think if you put Michael Thomas out there, then he's going to have a few more completions. He was 15 for 34, 234 yards, three touchdowns. Not bad. Three touchdowns and 15 passes. Man, they play in the middle of the day on Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Like three Friday. Yeah. Playing the Vikings, too. Ooh. You would think that's such a big rival at this point. But the thing that Vikings stink this year. We'll, we'll get to that uh, after this. But um, Patrick Mahomes is ridiculous. That was another uh, – note that I had he would and and it credit to the defense to get to him so much he had to scramble almost every single play because our defensive line is has such tenacity uh, but every time he would scramble he'd throw it for like 15 yards and I mean they were just walking down the field at some point so um, that is an incredible offense I tweeted it out to this team won the Super Bowl and got Clyde Edwards Alaire and Le'Veon Bell in the meantime and they're still pretty much the same exact team so uh, I think they're going to be – these are obviously Super Bowl contenders right now. So Can we discuss Cam now Jordan they, getting ejected? Yeah, I, don't, I I saw after he got ejected. He, like, was trying to push a offensive lineman away, and it looked like he swung at him, but it wasn't an actual swing or something. Like He it tweeted was, about it, too. It obviously wasn't, like – and I guess rules are rules, you know. But, yeah, it did not look like he was trying to throw a punch. I mean, sure, like whenever it comes down to the to the rules of whether the hands closed or open or whatever and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's to the head. But I don't know. I thought that was kind of be it. I think that's where it would be, I don't know, some sort of clarification in your uh, unsportsmanlike conduct rules and stuff with, like, I don't know, that's not a targeting, but uh, it's along the same pipeline, I guess, where you could have tears to it or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, one thing, too, it is like the, the middle of the play, too. The refs hate the Saints also. So, I mean, that's another thing okay. you got to think about. Saints had 10 penalties for 93 yards, and the Chiefs only had five penalties for 54 yards. The Chiefs have been almost at the top of the league for holding penalties and barely had any this game. So, I mean, it's it's almost blatant at this point when you look at the the stats on the penalties. So, ejecting Cam Jordan, I was not surprised, but um it definitely is unfortunate for sure. Um also, now, whenever uh Taysom ran it in that one touchdown and they yeah, that and looked, they they reviewed it, saw that he was clearly he yeah. the ball clearly passed over the the pylon inside of the inbounds. I mean, it it was and I guess, like he's like, you have to have indisputable evidence. But that looked clear as day to me. Yeah. And even they were saying on television, they're like, "Yeah, that's a touchdown." But uh, they didn't overturn. Sure, the next play, of course, ended up he basically got a cakewalk into the end zone. But I don't yeah. know. What'd you have, Matt? No, actually, you know, if Cam Jordan did get, they said uh, he tweeted earlier. He they said um, he said if he didn't get ejected. He would have uh, missed the birth of his daughter or something like that. Oh yeah. I mean I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't think that I don't think the, he got the rest ejected. Are on, so nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he got ejected. I'm just on throwing purpose. I mean I'm just throwing it out I'm just throwing it out there to Right, see. right. Yeah, yeah. 
That's true. Blessing and a curse, I guess. Blessing see, see, the refs aren't that bad after all. They're so kind to be that thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara, he had 54 yards, 11 carries, so they kind of figured out him, too. He's been having ridiculous games, and 54 yards is not normal for him. Um, yeah. Chiefs are good. I, I think we're we're still in good shape. If we win this week, we win the division. Um, it, it, we win the division with a Tampa Bay loss or uh, a win over the Vikings. So um, I think we're definitely – we have the playoffs. It's just about seeding at this point. Packers are very good. I think they'll they will probably stay at the one seed for the NFC because um, they are very good. So it's going to be tough to for them to lose and us to win to to get that back. One thing too for sure about Taysom Hill. Every time it seems like every time Breeze threw him the ball, he like bobbled it or like just could not catch. And it was the same thing that we talked about last week. It's like he his ball handling is just not good at all whatsoever. So because he's a quarterback, that yeah, is. I, I think, and I know that this is. There's probably a lot of Saints fans who don't want to hear this, and I know that Taysom Hill himself would be furious to hear this. I think he's best kept as like a special trick play kind of guy, gadget player. Just just throw him in there a to throw off player. the you know throw off the defense and just out of the blue. Yeah. Yep. So. Chiefs are good. Saints are also good. It's a well-fought game. Moving on to the Vikings this coming week. Um, Vikings stink. So Justin Jefferson is good. We're going to have to watch out for him, but I think our defensive defense can handle him. Marshawn Lattimore um, was voted as a pro bowler, so that's good. Deep backs. Um, yeah, pretty much the only thing they have – Kirk Cousins is, has been okay, but I think that's because of Jordan Jefferson. And Dalvin Cook, not Jordan, Justin. Uh, not Definitely not Jordan Jefferson. <laughs> Dalvin Cook has also been good. He's got 15 touchdowns on the season, which is five more than Kamara has right now. So um, he's been very good as well. But our defense is one of the top in the in the league right now, if not the best. I haven't, I haven't looked at that yet. But, um, yeah, I think we're seven-point favorites for – for that game. Matchup predictor has us 72% favorite. So. Coming off of a loss too. Coming off yeah, of two losses, two losses. The Saints are We had no business losing to the Eagles, so. They're yeah, the Saints are not, not going to I don't all, think the Saints are going to lose another game regular season. Yeah, cuz I think we have I think we have a cakewalk after this Saints schedule. We have Panthers week 17. So and the, and Panthers. the Panthers are on their longest losing streak, like in franchise history, yeah, or something like that. The only thing about that game is we might not be playing for seeding anymore. Like it might be already set, and we might pull like all the starters for that game, which is what we did that, that, the Super Bowl year. The Super Bowl year that was one of our only losses was the very last yeah, game of the season against the Panthers. Yeah, Mar- yeah, Mark Brunel. He uh, played started that game at quarterback. Um, I read that in Sean Payton's book. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know if this is a bullet point or not, but talking about the two worst teams in the NFL. Yeah. The Jets and the Jags. Mm-hmm. So, if assuming that they both end with the same record, they go off of strength of schedule, right? So whoever has the weaker strength of schedule with those losses would get the first pick, correct? No, I think second pick. Uh, so it's 
What do you, I'm not sure. So, so you're saying it's not by a record anymore at all? Well, no, it's, it's, by, by, it's, by, it's by record, but assuming that they would both finish with the same record. And, bo- you know, they'd both yeah, be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say they, say they lose out from here, and so they're both, what, 2 and 14? Or is it... Or 1... 2 and 14, correct? 1 and 15, 2 and 14. I'm yeah. reading it right here. Should both clubs lose their remaining two games, the top spot would be decided by a tiebreaker based on strength of schedule. Entering week 15, the Jets had a higher strength of schedule than the Jaguars, meaning Jacksonville would have the inside track on potentially drafting Clemson Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. That's crazy. So Everybody's all season long we've been talking about the Jets tanking right. for Trevor and then the Jags out of out of left field just Right. Yeah. Which well, uh, the, the Jets just decided to beat the Rams who are leading the uh NFC West right now. Yeah. If I were a Jets fan, losing all hope, I'd be so pissed off right now. Oh yeah, because like you had all season to win games, and you choose at the very end whenever it seems like a lock that Mm. you're getting Trevor. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, and and fans that they hate Adam Gase, like they already hate Adam Gase. Now you just hate him even more because he won you a ball game, but you lost a chance to get Trevor Lawrence. Right. Yeah. That was that. That was you said that was their first win. Yes, they're one in thirteen now. There, there's, you know, there's still two games left, so they there's a chance, you know, it could go either way. We, we I don't. The Jets play the Browns this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the Browns have had their moments. Yeah, they're playoff contenders. I think like Brown, Browns are Browns are. They're real deal. They're, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to. It's it's uh. They got. They got yeah, what twenty twenty? I could see the Jags beating the Bears though, because the Bears have been yeah, they've been bad. Real they bad. They can't lately. figure it out. They can't figure out their quarterback situation. They benched uh, they benched Trubisky to put Foles in. Foles gets hurt and they have to put Trubisky back in. So yeah, and there's yeah, seven Nagy. I mean, weeks this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with a bye, there are two buys. Well, there's still two games on the schedule. But yeah. for some reason, ESPN isn't showing Week 17 on there. I'm looking thing. at it right now. Yeah. Who do you want to? I was just the Jags will play the, at the Colts, and the Jets will play at the Patriots. At the Patriots, I think those are both losses easy. Yeah. Yeah. So it would pretty much come down to this week. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. We say that, but the Patriots have lost some some silly games too. Yeah. The the Patriots and, have a they 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 got eliminated from the uh, playoffs for the first time since 2008. Yeah. The uh, Patriots situation with Cam Newton is very interesting, and we'll have plenty of time to discuss it during the offseason, but I think this is definitely a one-year deal for him. Like, he yes, he, he should probably retire and go off as, like, the good player that we knew in Carolina instead of just finishing his career as a backup, like, all over the place, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's what Cam's going to turn into. He's going to be a journeyman in the NFL. Yeah, I just don't think that anyone. I would not start him at all. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because we were like, "Holy smokes, the Patriots have their guy," but it was not the case. Mm-hmm. Are the Bengals a good football not, team? Oh, I don't know, man. That that was I mean, pretty if you, if you crazy. Got, it it stinks that Joe Burrow a, Joe Burrow would have put like forty points on them if he was playing in that game. So, um, I think it was a trap game, just like the Florida. 
loss to LSU. I think they just overlooked the Bengals. So, yeah. Yeah, Steelers have just fallen completely off these last three weeks. Because they losing, you know. I've said it before. Yeah, they lost three straight now against the football team, the Bills, and the Bengals. They have the one of the weakest schedules in the whole league this year. And I think that's their main like problem for the season. That's why they, they started out hot because they were playing like the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, the Eagles. Like All of these teams struggled early in the season. Um, they slipped right. by the Ravens. They barely beat the Cowboys. So, um, yeah, and you get to the, these tougher teams. Of course, they, they now have the Colts and the Browns. So, I don't know. One thing, like you say, Gunner, are the Bengals a good football team? Their last two games are the Texans. Texans could they could beat the Texans and then the Ravens, which have shown signs of um, crumbling here. So, well, also looking back to the beginning of the season, it seemed like like whenever Joe Burrow was playing, they would keep the score within you know like a touchdown or so. Oh yeah, most of those yeah, games. The games were close, and Burrow was just getting clobbered. Constantly, so hopefully yeah, that's one thing I heard them talking about this morning on Barstool Breakfast was that the the offensive line has looked amazing like these past few weeks, and it's like where the hell was that yeah. at the beginning of the season? Yeah. Whenever you know Bro. one of the best quarterbacks of all time, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you're 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 not protecting Joe Burrow, you're not protecting Joe Burrow, but you're protecting Ryan Lindley, mm-hmm. Ryan yeah. Lindley. And then uh, next week we'll get into the playoff picture too for the NFL. Yeah. Only other thing I had for the NFL, Trey Hendrickson is tied leading the lead in sna- in uh, snacks in sacks with Aaron Donald at 12 and a half. Now, one thing about this though, Trey Hendrickson has played 535 snaps. Aaron Donald has played 767 snaps, which I believe they should count that because – Trey Hendrickson, for every 43 snaps that he plays, he's got a sack. And in the same time, Aaron Donald has to play 63 or 64 snaps to get him a sack. And everybody else on this leaderboard here, you got uh, Trey, Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, and Zadarius Smith. They all made Pro Bowls except for Trey for some reason. Like, I don't know how they did it this year, but it, it just doesn't make any sense. I think they left it up to a fan vote or something like that on Twitter. I'm pretty sure that's how they did yeah. it. I, yeah, it's, I think it's a fan vote. Yeah, that's just terrible. Like At some point, you have to step in and make it about who's good. Another thing that I've heard Pat McAfee say in the past... Well, go, back to the, go back to the old rules. I remember like in the old days, it was, well, we're going to play the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl so everyone can play in it. You know, that's when it was exciting. But I think you don't want to end off on the Pro Bowl, and that's that's the season. Yeah, most of the guys. on the Super Bowl. It's just a vacation for most guys at this point. Um, yeah, it's, I it's think just one, fun. One thing they should consider is uh, letting refs coach. I mean, not coach. Letting the referees vote for the Pro Bowl as well because the referees watch every single game. Like they know who's really right. good and who's not good. They see they have to look behind the lines, you know, and so um or between the lines. So I anything. think that um Saints Chiefs will be the two in the Super Bowl. 
Yeah. I, I think that that was a preview a of the preview. Super Bowl. And uh, I think that, well, in, um, in, I guess, superstitious fashion, you don't lose twice to the same team uh, whenever you're a good team. Not, we mm, we know, have Michael Thomas. We win that game. <clears throat> Michael I've, Thomas, I've isn't he out burned, for the season, though? He's out for the season, but not the no, postseason. No, oh, okay. He's set to return. Yeah. For Is the, it just an ankle sprain? Uh, I'm not sure. That's I think I think I think it's uh, just an ankle sprain. Clyde has a high ankle sprain, and he's out for the regular season as well. He should return for the postseason. So, yeah, yeah, healthy. Yeah, that, Saints, that, for I think me, healthy that, Saints take the Chiefs mm-hmm. by at least seven. I don't know by yeah. how much more than that, but I think by at least seven. Yeah, even if it happens in overtime. Yeah. Yeah, for me that game was um that game was definitely a preview of the Super Bowl and you realize that the Chiefs, I mean they're they're one of the best teams in the NFL, but they're not that better than the Saints are. You know, just just by that game. I don't I mean the Chiefs but the thing is, I mean, well the Chiefs are actually the Chiefs are pretty good. But um, you know, the Saints, they stayed with them. Yeah. It wasn't pretty at some sometimes, but we stayed with them. We yeah. were it, the score was very, very close. Almost came back. The Saints are the with, ceiling for them will be how good Breeze can be, and I think if he's warmed up and not coming off of the injury, I think he does a lot better. So down the stretch, I think we'll be okay yeah, for sure. Also, he's I mean he's gonna go out. He this is his last season. He knows it. Everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna hold anything back, especially if you make it to the Super Bowl. I think he would rather die on that field, you know, than. Absolutely. Then to go home without another ring. Yeah. One thing, just yeah. talking about the, the playoffs. Go ahead, Matt. Well, yeah, the goal is to win it. If you don't win it, the organization's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the whole organization, there's a bomb, and it's going to blow up. Looking at the um, NFC right now, just potential um, playoff teams, we're obviously number two. And then I think there's a huge drop off. So you have we're the the as far as clinched a spot for the NFC right now, which this is the teams we're gonna have to play in the playoffs. You have the Packers, us, and the Seahawks. See, the, those two are definitely the best teams in the NFC by far. The Seahawks well, are beatable, well, the Rams. Though. The Rams. The Seahawks are the Rams just lost to the the Jaguars though. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought the I saw the Rams. They, they were yeah they leading that division, but with and that's my next point. The the next teams, Washington is leading their division, I believe, or or I think they're they're all tied up over there. But it's it's the Giants and the uh, yeah, Cowboys football team. Yeah. But Mm-mm. if you're looking at the other teams of the NFC that we might face in the postseason you have the football team the rams the bucks the cardinals cardinals are 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 good i think they would be a tough matchup for us you have the bears the vikings the cowboys giants and eagles they all still have possibility to get in i think the eagles was a fluke i don't think if we play them again i think we're we're coming for a revenge game but you look at all these other teams every single one of them we are definitely they are very beatable Better to the Saints team. We have the best defense in the league. We have a very good offense when we when everybody's healthy. I think if we can get past the Packers, we'll probably end up meeting the Packers in the in the NFC Chiefs. Oh, no, no, oh, the, never mind. in no, the sorry, NFC sorry. championship, I mean. So Yeah. So Well, yeah, I mean that yeah, that game that game will be in Green Bay. So you just got to think, you know, okay, so the Saints are playing for the NFC Championship. 
it's probably going to be snowing in Green Bay. So I mean, that's just, you know, yeah, for if, me. It's, if we have to go to Green Bay, we're probably going to lose. Just because they're yeah, we're very bad in the cold and outside. So yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> praying that the Packers have an upset early on. Yeah, and uh, which if they get the first round by, then I guess they only have what two chances? Two weeks. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Or maybe yeah. they uh, get upset one of these weeks leading uh, into the playoffs. Yeah, they have. I'm trying to see Packers. They have the Titans. Uh, the Titans have been very good. Yes. Titans have been Ooh. very good. And then they have the Derrick Bears. Henry. Yeah. Derrick Henry had another freaking, uh, like, grabbed the dude by the head and just tossed him around yeah. this past, last week. Yeah, I mean, well, think about that. You know, snow, snowy conditions in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Derrick yeah. Henry, that's that's his element right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then Big, they have the Bears. Uh, I have a feeling week 17 they're uh, – going to be clobbering the bears that game so yep it'll be interesting to see i think uh like you said saints chiefs super bowl is a very good prediction i believe mm. as a saints fan so <laughs> also I think, I think we should yeah. one, one thing we uh forgot to mention jumping right back into college football here um byu just won the Roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl um, over the UFC Knights, 49-23. I mean, what a name for a bowl. I was going to make some kind of joke about how LSU can't make the auto zone super fantastic bowl this year, but the Roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl, that is better than anything we can make up is like Gunnar just said, the power, oh. the power service diesel clean plus cetane boost. Bowl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. LSU couldn't even make the Petro Bowl this year. Yeah, sad. Yeah. And that is our show, everyone. Thank you once again for tuning in. Secondhand Sports Podcast. Um, we are just dropping one episode this week. We'll be back next week to. Um, do a little bit more speculation on the two playoffs between college playoff and NFL playoff. So we got a great game for the Saints coming up on Christmas Day against the NFC rival Vikings. Um, like we talked about in the episode, hopefully we can pull out a win against them. Great season to, to end for LSU. Lots of coaching changes coming up. And we'll be covering those as they come through. And from the secondhand sports podcast community nation empire from us to you y'all have a very merry christmas and thanks for listening go tigers It's the best time of the year I don't know if there'll be snow But have a cup of cheer Have a holly jolly Christmas And when you walk down the street Say hello to friends you know And everyone you meet